My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us this morning. If you've got your Bibles, we're in Philippians chapter 2. Yes, good. Getting close. Close to the end of chapter 2 uh, and close to Easter. And no, I didn't plan it. It just kind of worked that way. So uh, so if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. And if you've got your green books, we're on page 168. Uh, if you need a green book, you can grab one of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Uh, and hello to those of you watching online this morning. All right, so I'm going to read through Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> and then we'll pick up in just a minute with verse 25. Philippians 2. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world, by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing, but even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Now, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. 
For this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Philippians chapter 2. Good afternoon again to Lithuania, which is still cool. So it's a, she, she gave me the time there. It's 4 p.m. there. Fantastic. Thank you for doing the conversion for me. I appreciate that. All right, so we're in uh, Philippians chapter 2, page 168 in your green book. If you've got page 168. Uh, so let's start with verse 25 there. So he says, but I considered or... Um, it, it's an interesting translation, the word considered, because it's really more of a command. It's, I commanded or I determined uh, it necessary, page 169, uh, to send. This is the same word that we talked about last week, to dispatch, when we talked about be dispatchable, right? So I considered it necessary to send or dispatch to you. And then what's his name? Epaphroditus, right? All right, so let's pronounce it together as a group. So Epaphroditus. 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 All right. So does anybody know anybody named Epaphroditus? Like hard pass, right? Like not going to be showing up. All right. So uh, apparently Epaphroditus was a stunningly common name at this point in history. So there you go. Uh, it mean, like the, the root of it is something like uh, lovely or beautiful. Um, and it's actually got an abbreviation, uh, Epaphras. So if I were to say the name Epaphras, does that ring a bell in Scripture anywhere? You're like, I, that sounds like something. Yeah, it, Epaphras actually shows up several times elsewhere. Uh, the problem is, it's such a common name, we can't go, oh yeah, this is the same person. It's like, it, statistically, it is very likely not the same person. So if you, if you do a Bible study and you're like, this name shows up several places, cool. You probably know somebody else named Jim, too. So... It's a pretty common name. This is Epaphroditus. All right, so we get to, uh, he says, I, I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. So wh- why did he start verse 25 with, a, with the word but? Because he's not sending Timothy, right? So, so think about this. We talked last week about how big a deal Timothy was in the New Testament world, in the early church. So think about, like, if Timothy couldn't go, Epaphroditus is the next one up. You're like, okay, what's, you know. Um, being a member of the D team here at Stewart Heights, I, I know what this feels like. So uh, if Gary is, or Brian are scheduled to preach and they were to trip on the stairs on the way up and smack their head on the pulpit, um, we have discussed this specific scenario, so... If you ever see this play out, just know that I have spent hours praying that this would never happen. So, just so you know. Uh, Daryl is the next one up. So, he's the B team, right? Uh, should something happen to Daryl on the way to the pulpit, uh, the next person should not head to the pulpit, is what I, my feedback was. But uh, now that we have Michael as uh, our campus pastor here, Michael is the next one up. Should something happen to Michael, I am the next one on task to go and uh, do something for us collectively on a Sunday morning. Um, I will not be doing anything if something happens to three people in a row who are about, like, 
we are asking for uh, forgiveness and we are going home is what we will be doing. So just so everybody is aware. Uh, but I am used to being the, hey, you better be ready to do X, Y, Z. Um, so I, I feel like a, I relate just a smidge with Epaphroditus. Um, and what I love about Epaphroditus is that Paul talks about what Epaphroditus means to Paul before he talks about what Epaphroditus means to the Philippians. And the Philippians knew Epaphroditus well. This was not some rando name they had not heard of before. So let's go to Philippians chapter 4. I'll show you the only other time he shows up in the New Testament. It's also in Philippians, right? <clears throat> so we'll start with verse uh, 15, and I'll read down through this, this next to last paragraph in Philippians 4. And you Philippians, not the letter, the people, you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, which... Like, do we not consider the time Paul is writing right there the early days of the gospel? Like, I, it, it's funny how your, your time perspective changes right here. So the, in the early, back in the early days, we all feel susceptible to this, right? When I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. And I don't know if you've ever had somebody that was faithful to you, that was consistently showed up, that supported and encouraged and provided, but you remember those people in your lives. And this is who the Philippians were to Paul. So verse 16, For even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my needs several times. So if they sent gifts several times, how did the gifts get there several times? Like Somebody had to go take it, right? This is not a... There's no Venmo, there's no Cash App, there's no, like, you have to physically haul, and there wasn't a UPS, right? There was no collective national postal system. You, you had to know somebody that would take it. So not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account, but I have received everything in full. So it's a little bit, I, I feel like my uh, Jessica Miller is uh, happy right here, because there's an audit and he got everything he was supposed to get, right? Everything's clear. And I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Paphroditus what you provided. Now, the question here that has uh, confused theologians for basically about five minutes after Paul wrote this was, was Epaphroditus from Philippi? And he was like from Philippi ministering back and forth to Paul. Or was Epaphroditus with Paul, and he's Paul's messenger back and forth? And the answer is, we don't know. Like, it could go absolutely either way. Uh, but we know that Epaphroditus had provided, had physically brought what the Philippians gathered, raised, whatever, to send to Paul. So the Philippians knew Epaphroditus from prior trips, uh, from at least one prior trip, uh, because the way the grammar there is in chapter 4, we're not entirely sure if Epaphroditus was the one that made all these trips or if he made uh, some, but we know he made at least one prior to uh, when Paul writes the letter to the Philippians, this letter to the Philippians, because there were other letters to the Philippians. You want something that'll hurt your head. There were other letters to the Philippians, and they were not canonical, and that is okay. And we should not have them because we don't need them, and we have what we need. All right, so I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Timothy's not available. We're sending Epaphroditus. Just go to page 170 in your green books. My brother. So was this a common way that Paul talked about other believers? Yes, like 
Look at the uh, brackets after the word brother. Do you see all the references to brother in Philippians? Like Philippians is this tiny little letter, and he just litters it with this word brother, Adelphos. Right, so he's his brother. So that's the first way that Paul thinks about uh, and describes Epaphroditus. The second is a co-worker. Because for those of you that have siblings, you may or may not be aware. They don't always labor in the same direction you do. Right? So, uh, so he's a brother. He's also laboring in the same direction. He's a co-laborer. Co uh, this shows up a couple of times in Philippians as well. Um, Clement specifically is called out in chapter 4 as being another co-worker of Paul's in the gospel. So he's a brother. He's a co-worker. Uh, I don't know how, it, like if this is the perfect sentence to diagram for a preacher's outline. Like Paul's view of Epaphroditus, subpoint one brother, subpoint two co-worker, subpoint three fellow soldier. The Philippians view of Epaphroditus, messenger, Subpoint two minister, right? I mean, it just lays out so nicely. So he's his brother, his co-worker, and then his fellow soldier. Now, this word shows up uh, one other time, this word for fellow soldier. Uh, I tried several times to learn how to pronounce this Greek word, and it just, it does not sound like what the recording sounds like. So I will not mumble it for you today. Uh, but this is somebody who is working alongside. This is somebody who is, there's a, there's a bit more of a, and it's not a ton of a military feel. Soldier's a pretty strong term to, to use for this. But this is somebody who is working alongside with a very specific objective. So you, this generic term brother for relational, this a bit more narrow term for we're pulling in the same direction. And then this fellow soldier, we're, we have this same objective on this particular assignment. It gets more narrow as you kind of go down. The only other time this is used in the New Testament, this word is in uh, Philemon. So if you want a, uh, a true Bible study challenge, which I've decided apparently to take on myself right here, uh, it is to find Philemon. There we go. Uh, this is Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, right? So again, this is another one of the letters that Timothy wrote with Paul. Uh, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, not the word for fellow soldier, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. So this was a term that Paul would use about people who he knew that engaged in a very specific way around the gospel. Uh, but... There's not a lot of people in the New Testament that Paul uses three categories of descriptors on, and Epaphroditus was one. So it's a, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty elevated uh, set of, um, I don't want to use the word compliments, but descriptors. And, and we know that they're true, right, because the Holy Spirit inspired him to say these things. So this is not just like, well, I was feeling, I was feeling especially gratuitous one day. It's like, no, 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 these things are true. So he's his brother, his co-worker, his fellow soldier. So what do we get from this? Uh, I'll say application at the bottom. Uh, Christians relate in different ways to each other, right? You can, you, can have, you can wear different hats in the body and still be the same person, and that's okay. So Christians relate in different ways to each other. And I would argue, like, what, you know, what, what do we do with that? This is a... 
uh, quite a few of the personalizations today are going to be one very narrow way that I would look at applying this in the life of a believer. Um, I would argue that we should articulate the ways. Right? So articulate the ways that each of us play in each other's lives and then thank God for that. Right? And then if you really want like bonus credit, tell the person how you thanked God for them. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's encouraging. Yeah, uh, so articulate the ways. So uh, application is Christians relate in different ways to each other. The personalization is articulate the ways and thank God for them. And I would argue a really uh, crappy personalization would be be a brother, be a coworker, be a fellow soldier, because that sounds like like, it's up to me to go, Ugh. don't drag the gospel through the law. <laughs> like, just, can, and when you see me do it, like, throw something soft at me. That would be great, because I need to stop it. <clears throat> this is my feedback when I used to work in an office <laughs> before telework, yes. Um, that if I ever did something that annoyed my cube worker, my cube partner, like, just throw something soft at me. And they would laugh, and I'm like, no, seriously. Like, you should. Like, don't throw a stapler. That would be bad. So, that'd be very bad. So, he transitions at the bottom of page 170. So, he's Paul's brother, his co-worker, a fellow soldier. Now, he, he turns, he said, as well as your messenger. Now, th does that make sense based on what we know about Epaphroditus? That Epaphroditus is the Philippians' messenger. Like, yeah, I, like, literally... He's the, he brought the stuff and likely messages as well. So yes, this makes all kinds of sense. Um, the, the Greek word is apostolos, which you could think is apostate. No, no, not even remotely close to that word. This is much closer to apostle, um, and this word can mean a delegate. I, I think that's probably pretty good. An ambassador of the gospel. Maybe, but in, in that particular definition, it's, it's probably more just like a delegate. And then third is a commissioner of Christ, specifically an apostle. So we think this is the delegate part. This is the messenger. He went on behalf of the Philippians. <clears throat> so he's their messenger. Uh, and then the second uh, way he serviced uh, and served the, the Philippians was as a minister. Uh, we talked about a word similar to this, liturgos, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And this is you know, the, the liturgy of a Christian church is what we know now, the order in which things happen. Then it was more closely associated with the person doing the order. So this would be, we, you could very, very easily translate this, uh, you, you could apply this in a way that would seem to lead us to believe that Epaphroditus led some portion of the Philippian worship services. Like that would be a, a very, very reasonable assumption. Um, what I wouldn't want to go as far to say is that he was the head of their church. I don't know that he was like their, like, ah, may, maybe, maybe, but we, we definitely feel like he was involved in the worship service itself. Um, this word is used uh, five times in the New Testament. It's used in Romans 13, 6. Uh, this is uh, submit to the authorities, 
Uh, right after this is Mitch Johnson's life verse, uh, pay your dang taxes, right? Um, sorry, Mitch, that was a shameless plug for the business. There you go, right? If you, if you don't know, you're going to have to pay something or get something back soon. Do it legally. Uh, Romans 13.6 is true. Romans 15.16, Paul uses it of himself, this word uh, he ministers. Um, Hebrews 1.7, it is used of angels, which if you've ever done a study on angels, you know, angels are these ministering messengers. Is kind of an easy, alliterative way to remember what angels do. And you're like, well, how did Paul describe Epaphroditus as a messenger who ministered? And then uh, Hebrews 8, 2, it is used of Jesus himself when he sits down after his work is completed, after his ministry work is completed that he accomplished. So this is a, um, you know, I, I would argue that if you're going to use a word that describes Jesus, Paul, and angels in the New Testament, that's pretty good company to be in. So kudos to Epaphroditus for having a good uh, ministry. So he's your minister, your messenger and minister to my need. So like what, what I needed, this is how he functioned to go and accomplish that. Um, all right, so a couple applications here. I, I think these are pretty straightforward. So Christians communicate with other Christians, right? Christians communicate with other Christians. This is like how we should, like, it's actually good for us to talk, okay? So what did Paul have to communicate in order for them to be able to fulfill the need? His need, right? So the personalization here would be communicate the need. And perhaps also the news. Because and then uh, application number two, Christians minister to other Christians. You're like, well, duh, Jim. Well, it's actually important to articulate these things, right? <laughs> this is, you, we understand the basics of Christianity by stating the basics of Christianity. So here we go. Uh, so minister to the needs. So Christians communicate with other Christians. Christians minister with other Christians. So communicate the news and the need and minister to the needs. And then we get to this just, like if you, if there was ever a sentence that just makes you love somebody, it's got to be verse 26, right? I mean, this guy is just, he's something else. Since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. It's like, come on, man. Really? That's just... Um, I know somebody like this. <laughs> Zeke, can you assist the couple coming in the door back there? They might need some help. Thank you, sir. That's what messenger and minister look like right there. Did you see that? Did you see that? There was a need. It was communicated. Somebody was easily dispatched. I could not have planned a better real-life example. That I'm sorry you guys don't get to see that. That was brilliant. That was brilliant. All right, so verse 26. Since he has been longing for, it's the present active participle. This is the, his habit was to desire, to long for. Um, 
And, and this is the, the same word that Paul uses in uh, chapter 1, verse 8, for God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you. So Paul longed for the Philippians, and Epaphroditus longed for the Philippians. There's this beautiful love that is displayed here. So he's been longing for all of you. So like, Shanda, was that some of you? All, yeah, this is a plural. Like he, uh, all of you, yes. The, plural, the you is plural here too. And was distressed. So he, like this is a distress of the mind. Like he was, he was, uh, uh, he was, he was stressed out. Now the only two other two times this word is used in the New Testament is Matthew 26 and Mark 14. And there was somebody in a garden. Who are we talking about? Jesus is in the garden, right? And uh, he's praying. And this is right before he's about to go fulfill all the work that the Father had for the, uh, the Son to do. And this is the word that is used to describe Jesus Christ's state of mind, that he was troubled, that he was distressed. Because of... The, the, weight, the crushing weight that was about to be placed on him as the sacrifice of the world. So this is not a word that gets tossed around in the New Testament lightly. This is, again, a word that is used to relate to Jesus Christ. And if you think for a second that the Holy Spirit doesn't know exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing by using these types of words to connect us back to words that are used to describe Jesus Christ, we're not paying attention. So... Uh, he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. So on page 173, your application, your first application, is uh, Christians get sick. So let me, I just, I want to make sure that we are super abundantly clear uh, about what we believe and about what we do not believe because we believe Christians get sick. Because Paul here has just articulated someone that can we all agree we believe Epaphroditus is a believer? Okay, he called him his brother. Like you don't, if you want to uh, <laughs> see what Paul believes about uh, pagans who oppose the gospel or uh, religious elite who think they are important, uh, Paul does not use words like brother, right? He uses very blunt language. So Epaphroditus is a brother in Christ, and this brother got sick. So what I, would, what I would encourage us to do when Christians get sick is to respond accordingly. So personalization there is respond accordingly. Um, so one right way to respond accordingly is not to immediately believe, uh-oh, well, he must have done something bad, and this is, this is God's judgment. It's not necessarily bad behavior. And it's uh, not necessarily about me, you, or us either. To, to view everything that happens in my life through the lens of it only is because of me is a hyper, hyper uh, prideful and arrogant way to live in this universe. Um, because Paul's about to say, God's mercy actually extended to Paul because of a result of Epaphroditus' illness. Right? So he's going to connect a lot of different theological points here in just a second. So 
Um, indeed, at the bottom of page 173, he was so sick he nearly died. All right, so I'm going to take it one step further on the applications. So at the bottom of page 173, Christians get sick. Application number two, Christians get very sick. Yes, they do. Sean, have you ever known, so tell us what field you work in. You're a nurse, excellent. And have you ever seen a Christian get sick? Yeah, have you ever seen a Christian get very sick? Have you ever seen a Christian get so sick that they almost died? Have you ever seen a Christian get so sick that they actually died? Okay, so the full range of, like, all right, good. So I think we should respond accordingly here. This is not about necessarily bad behavior, and it's certainly not about me, you, or us. All right, let's turn the page. However, God had mercy on him. Ah, that's awesome. Application in the bottom page 174, God sometimes heals. Here. He always heals his own. Sometimes it's here. So what are the personalizations there? I would say respond accordingly. <laughs> yeah. It's not necessarily because of good behavior. And it's not necessarily about me, you, or us. Right? When I put down the lens of Jim that I look at the whole universe through, I actually get to step back and look and see what God might be up to in a much more beautifully large way. But when everything is myopically focused on me, it really de-emphasizes God's larger work. So, however, God had mercy on him. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. And not only on him, page 175, but also on me. Uh, I don't know why this verse makes me think of this movie scene that I'm about to read to you, but it does. Because in my mind, the mercy of God on Epaphroditus spilled out over onto Paul. It, it just got messy all over the place because the Philippians benefited from it right? We benefit from it. Epaphroditus certainly benefited from it. And Paul articulates that he benefited from it. So here's my quote. This is from the movie True Grit. Y'all seen the movie True Grit? Yes. Excellent. So which character do you know for sure I'm about to quote? Rooster Cogburn. Because if there was ever a better character name in the history of cinema, I don't know what it is, but Rooster Cogburn. So this is uh, LaBeouf. We'll start with him. As I understand it, Cheney or Chelmsford, as he called himself. I'm trying not to do the accent, but it is so hard not to try to do the accent. A senator, as he called himself, shot the senator's dog. When the senator remonstrated, Chelmsford shot him as well. You could argue that the shooting of the dog was merely an instance of malum prohibitum, but the shooting of a senator is indubitably an instance of malum in se, to which Rooster Cogburn says, malum in what? And Matty Ross, little Matty Ross, malum in se, the distinction is between an act that is wrong in itself and an act that is wrong only according to our laws and mores. It is Latin. And Rooster Cogburn comes back to this quote. He says, I am struck that Labeef is shot, trampled, and nearly severs his tongue. And not only does he not cease to talk, but he spills the banks of English. It's just a great quote. And Shanda's like, what does that have to do with this, right? It spilled. It got over. It wasn't contained where it supposed to be 
It's all over the map. And you're like, that was a stretch, that was a stretch. That's okay. This is a little instance into how my brain works. This is the way this works. All right, so, also on me. Application here is God's mercy impacts many. God's mercy impacts many. Because sometimes God heals here. But God always heals his own. So God's mercy impacts many. So what do we do with that? Recognize it and rejoice. Recognize it and rejoice. What an amazing God that we serve. And then Paul finishes this thought, so that I would not have... Now, where does Paul put the Paul lens that he looks at the universe through? At the end, he's acknowledged Epaphroditus, he's acknowledged the Philippians, he acknowledged God's work, and then he talks about himself. You see this? I'm not saying you can't ever look at the world through your lens. I'm just saying like, it's not only that, it's not always that, and when it is that, it ought to be toward the end. So, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. So what do we do with that? Well, I would say application there is God's mercy is the antidote to sadness because that's what the word sorrow means. I've been trying to beat the word joy out of your vocabulary and just say happy. I'm going to beat the word sorrow out of your vocabulary and just say the word sad. Right? This is the opposite of joy, is sorrow or sadness. So God's mercy is the antidote to sadness. So what do we do with that? Recognize it and rejoice. Recognize it and rejoice. And with that, I think we will end there. Uh, We'll pick up, Lord willing, next week with verse 28. Uh, So we'll finish, we should finish chapter 3, chapter 2. Like, whoa, we're not doing 23 verse, 24 verses next week. That would be, (laughs) not in this class, we're not, no, no, no. All right, so if you would, uh, let's take a minute. Uh, you should have your weekly update on your table. Make sure your name's at the bottom. It's how we take attendance. Uh, prayer requests are on the other side. Take a couple minutes. Uh, read through those. Pray over those. Pray as a group. Pray as a table. If you're sitting at a table by yourselves, then gather up together. And uh, with that, we will be dismissed to go and to worship this one who is worthy of all of our praise and our effort after the service to stuff a whole bunch of Easter eggs, which is the craziest, weirdest way ever to go worship the Lord, right? But who knew we can get that as an option too. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.